Now, time for McNamara on Money, sponsored by McNamara Financial Services. Good morning and welcome to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, a certified financial planner professional with McNamara Financial in Marshfield, Mass. This is a financial talk radio show for people who want to get all areas of their financial life in order, get their kids through college, and live comfortably in retirement. On this show, we will be talking about a wide variety of financial topics. You have to make many important decisions in your life that have to do with money, investments, insurance, mortgages, taxes, estate planning, living your life within your means, and retirement. Our goal is to help you with all of these. We also have lots of great information on our show's website, McNamaraOnMoney.com. You can download podcasts, watch videos, or browse our abundance of written articles on topics related to personal finance. And as always, to find out more about our practice, visit McNamaraFinancial.com. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I have a full packed house this morning, so we're going to have to spend a little bit of time going through introductions, but we have a great show planned for you. We're going to be talking about um, transition periods in life, in particular homes in transition, because we have some real estate professionals here and we also have some attorneys in the house. Um, So um, I guess let's get started with introductions. Some of these uh, ladies I'm just meeting for the first time, Um, but we have via uh, remotely, we have Sharon. McNamara with Boston Connect Real Estate. Good morning, Sharon. How are you? Good morning. Good morning to everybody. So glad that everybody could make it there. Yep. Um, and so mm-hmm. the plan for this morning is that we're going to um, we're gonna be here for a marathon show this morning. So our two hours, and then we're going to go right into talk uh, real estate roundtable with Sharon McNamara for the next hour. So we're going to have um, lots of stuff to talk about this morning, but plenty of opinions here in studio and, and we'll be all good. Um, we also have Melissa Wallace with uh, Boston Connect Real Estate as well. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. She was here bright and early setting up all the social media yeah. things. Yeah, so we'll be live on Facebook too. Great. Um, we are live now, by the way. <sighs> oh, great. Um, all right, so let's um, go through some introductions. So we have um, Amy Hubert Masfer, Esquire, who's a real estate attorney with Sherman Law. I'll give you guys a moment to give backgrounds and stuff like that, but let me just introduce all of you. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. Uh, we also have Erin Nally, Esquire, who's an estate planning attorney with Starboard Legal. Good morning. Good morning. Um, and Allison Walsh, Esquire, who's a family law attorney with Walsh Law Office. Good morning. Good morning. All right, so I guess, Amy, we'll start with you. Do you guys, I, I'm just meeting uh, these ladies for the first time, so it's um, great to to, you know, thanks for joining us. Look forward to getting to know you in the discussion this morning. Um, do you want to just take a minute or so to uh, just a little introduction, if you want to do a background of your practice, um, your experience, et cetera, whatever you want to share this morning so our listeners can get to know you. Sure, absolutely. So um, this is Amy Hubert Masper. I'm from Sherman Law. I'm a real estate attorney with over 20 years experience. Um, I focus on all things real estate. And, you know, in addition, I've been contributing lately, kind of focusing on transitional sales as we see a lot of um, listings come from situations. Um, I, you know, have a certain background in, in divorce because I am divorced. So life experience helps, <laughs> helps for sure. But, you know, um, I really enjoy working with um, particularly families and, and trying to get them kind of in the right place after difficult times. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison, would you like to go next? Sure. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Allison Walsh. I'm a family law and divorce attorney. My office is in Hingham. Um, I grew up on the South Shore, so I'm very familiar, actually, with even Marshfield. I grew up uh, spending my summers here. Okay. Um, and I've been practicing for 20 years at firms in Boston and the South Shore. I've been on my own for about six years now um, and, um, you know, regularly deal also with, you know, between my divorce practice with real estate and, you know, financial issues. And so hopefully this will be, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully learning something today as well as oh, maybe yeah. teaching oh, somebody something. Sure we all will. Yeah. And where's your office, Allison? Uh, my office is in Hingham. Oh, okay. Yeah. And where was yours, Amy? I'm, I'm uh, Hingham. We also have a oh, second location Hingham. in Plymouth as oh, well. Okay. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Allison. And Erin, how about you? Good morning. My name is Erin Nally. I am the uh, founding attorney of uh, Starboard Legal. I'm in a business and estate planning um, attorney. My office is in Norwell, right at Asnippy Corner. Mm -hmm. Um, I have about, I have over 50 years of experience in both private and public sector. Um, And my primary focus now is, like I said, all on business planning and estate planning matters. Yeah. And how did you ladies meet? Have you known each other for a while or did you just meet at that class that Sharon yes. was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. 
So Allie and I actually went to high school together. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But we kind of reconnected because of Amy, who <laughs> yes. did yeah. wanted to do this presentation on transitional uh, or life-changing real estate, oh, right? right. So you, okay, okay, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, and so Aaron. that was how the three of us got oh, connected. Yes. And so, well, we've known each other since we were 14. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. Shout Aaron, out to Notre I Dame. Met, um, yeah. <laughs> I met Aaron for, first through like a networking event and like we hit it off right away and I'm like, oh, this we're like the same person. <laughs> and then I was like, I kept hearing about Allison Walsh and I was trying to find, um, I get a lot of calls for people who need divorce attorneys. Your name kept coming up. It's yeah. excellent. So I'm like, I have to meet this woman. And then I was like, do you, do you guys know each other? And like, uh, yeah, we do. So <laughs> it was fantastic. And, um, it's been a, a really great, like to get to know them personally and as well as professionally. So yeah, all good things. I wondered where the topic came from. I know Sharon had mentioned she went to a class and that's where she met you ladies. I wondered where the topic came from. Home in transition, which I think is an excellent topic, and we can approach it from many different angles. Mm -hmm. But um, so you guys have already sort of given a similar um, yeah. talk before. Yeah. So I was really trying to think about how you know I'm very big into education, especially with my my realtors. Um, for me, I was seeing where the market was frozen a little bit for a brief time period. Though we've seen more inventory. Yay! Keep selling. <laughs> um, what was what was going on the market were people who who had to sell because of, because of situations those transi uh. those transitional sales are more difficult um, for for the realtors for sure so I was looking for ways to support them to like not be afraid of those those transactions and to get the right team around them so they had both the legal and sometimes emotional support to kind of support their clients. Yeah. So that was kind of my um, my thought process at that time. I'm always looking to do a different type of class. Obviously, I have some experience in divorce, personally and professionally, and so that was important to me. Yeah. Sharon, anything you want to share before we kind of dive into topics? I mean, this was sort of your idea to put this uh, marathon show together this morning, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so Amy's with? great about always wanting to help the, you know, the realtors, and me being the broker owner of a company, I always want my agents learning as well. So anytime she has anything, she always invites us. We adore Amy. Um, Amy actually, uh, Casey actually worked with Amy very closely when she was doing oh, her internship okay. while she was in law school. Okay. So yeah. So, and she, and Amy loved Casey and Casey loved Amy. So <laughs> um, well, let's not to so. love there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, so Amy had this class and she had, you know, the other, our other two guests here with us. Uh, she also had a loan officer, but I just thought, okay, we could make yeah, a yeah. out of it. Like well, that's three, enough. Yeah. <laughs> three attorneys, a loan officer, two real estate <laughs> agents, and a financial planner. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> so, but honestly, Alyssa, you know, you and I are always trying to do shows too, like when we do our three hour marathons. And when I watched them and they taught me so much, I learned a lot that day too. I thought that you would actually be just such a great fit for what they're doing as well. And thinking back to when we used to do financially, um, financially secure women yeah it sort of i felt like all the pieces went together and um it is definitely something that we're seeing a lot more of i mean myself i have been i'd say most of my transactions that i've been doing as of late this year have been estate sales or not even estate sales yet like they're in assisted living but it, the parent hasn't deceased yet i'm seeing a lot of that so yeah. lots of moving pieces to it so yeah. i know we have the three the three women who can help us with that yeah all right well i guess let's dive in and start talking about the issues surrounding divorce and transition related to divorce and i guess just so you know to back it up a little our, our when i work with divorcees it's much more common than i would work with the female member of the couple i don't know what you ladies are seeing but i and i was at a um a conference a week or two ago and there was a um presentation on uh financial topics surrounding divorce and planning for that and he had some statistics and I, I don't know the exact study or whatever but there was some survey done not long ago about um you know um would you know with divorcing couples which member of the couple would be more likely to seek the, in this particular instance uh financial guidance po you know during and post-divorce oh i must <laughs> lost my coffee there and it's totally full that would have been a bummer because we're here for a long time <laughs> Um, and the statistic was crazy. You know, it was like, what what percentage of women would seek out financial advice during and post-divorce? And it was like 75% of women, you know, would would seek out professional advice and, I, advice. and I think it was like 15% of men. And I certainly see that in my practice where I'm, I'm generally... Um, 
I can't recall a situation where I had a man come to me for financial advice, specifically post-divorce. I certainly have a lot of male clients, and uh, whether single or married, but um, but specifically during and post-divorce, I'm generally um, sought out by the female member of the couple. What do you ladies see? Is it common pattern or? Um, absolutely, I still yeah. I still think that you know. Um, things fall into kind of traditional gender roles still during during marriages and you know yeah. I consider myself an educated person that being said my um, husband at the time handled the finances and yeah. you know um, so they're they're coming into awareness of what they have to handle and what their planning is um, and certainly I think yeah that we, we, we tend to see that for, for a lot of times one cup one person in the couple and typically it can be the, the man in a traditional um, marriage um, Runs all the bills, runs all the yeah. all the all the invoices, all of those things, and people don't really have a full understanding of what they have and what they don't have. Yeah, and you know, um, a common um, preempt of divorce is people kind of living outside their means, which causes c conflict in the marriage. Um, so that can be, you know, a, a, another kind of reason why there's there's just not mutual financial understanding between the two parties. Yeah. Do you find that, Allison? Is it still, I mean, you read the statistics about causes of divorce mm -hmm. and financial right. um, issues t still tend to be a leading cause of couples divorcing? Yeah, I would say, I guess in my practice, um, I think financial issues for sure. I see, and I mean, this is an unfortunate sort of statement on society, but um, substance abuse, I think, in the last oh, wow. 10 yeah. years or so okay. has really, a lot of our divorces, unfortunately, God. have okay. some sort of, you know, unfortunately, like alcoholism or something like that yeah. component to it. Um, gambling addictions, um, and especially, I think, with COVID, too, when everybody was stuck in the house together, mm -hmm. one thing, oh, yeah. trend that we saw was, I think a lot of people had learned how to sort of coexist by, you know, having a girls' night out once a week, or the guys would go out and so people were staying married by not spending that much time together mm. and then when they were suddenly forced to be in the house together for like two years straight yeah um that yeah. was the straw that broke the camel's back <laughs> oh, absolutely. so mm -hmm. yeah. that was something i had not seen before um and you know so we're kind of cycling through that now too um you know to amy's point about kind of women seeking out um advice more during the divorce. I think I do see that. I think especially women that, you know, were traditionally maybe like a stay-at-home mom or something, yeah. they oftentimes are really looking for a sort of a financial advisor or somebody to help them get on their feet afterwards. Yeah. Um, you know, I think also the other piece with the divorce is a lot of times in the divorce, the, both parties might have had the same financial advisor and then in the divorce one party keeps the financial advisor I mean that's not like in the divorce agreement or yeah. in the divorce judgment but yeah sort of maybe it was the husband's buddy or whatever yeah. right so now if I have the wife as a client she's kind of coming to me saying hey do you have a recommendation yeah. same thing with insurance agents right yeah. it's sort of interesting how in the divorce the the professionals in your life kind of go one way or the other sometimes and yeah so a lot of times people are looking for referrals yeah post divorce I, I also think like we're we're going to talk about, you know, part of the, the subject matter for today is, is real estate and transition as a result of many things, but, but divorce being one of them. And when it comes to real estate, you, like if you would think in a traditional marriage where the, you know, there are children, it seems to me that it's more common that the female member of the couple, the mom would want to keep the home and keep the children in the home. So then, you know, maybe seeking out advice related to that and affordability of that probably mm -hmm. seems to be, I would guess, more common. You know, can I afford to stay here? What's the impact of that in my life, et cetera? And we can kind of talk all through that. Erin, um, anything you see or in terms of... As far as uh, who typically reaches out yeah. my, on my end, um, it's typically the woman that would yeah. reach out because my work is all directions. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like when it comes to when it comes to estate planning, it's there's no real instant gratification for it. Okay. Do you know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah. sort of like if something happens, then where are the directions that we that we follow. Okay. So right. usually I will have... It's planning. Yeah. yeah. So it's... Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Exactly. And women sometimes are better planners. Not always. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, sometimes. And guardianship. Well, right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a big exactly. concern because if, you know, your backup plans were that the in-laws were going to raise the kids and, uh, and if someone, you know, if everyone predeceases, mm -hmm. um, you know, suddenly the in-laws are not your in-laws anymore. So, yeah. you know, those considerations you have to think about too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk about, I mean, we were, we wanted to focus on um, homes in transition and, and real estate issues surrounding divorce. So 
Um, like I touched on a moment ago, it seems to be pretty common that uh, if a divorcing couple has kids, especially young kids, then one member of the couple wants to keep the house. But are you got you know, maybe Sharon and Melissa could chime in regarding um, the clients that you're seeing going through divorce. Are they selling the home because they uh, can't afford it or because they want a life change and, and, and a fresh start? Um, you know, I can recall several conversations with particularly females going through divorce and, you know, talking through affordability of keeping the family home. And, and sometimes it's unrealistic um, financially and, you know, or or maybe there's a financial sacrifice in, you know, in the near term and, and then they have to pay for it on the back end later, retire later, work harder later, et cetera. And sometimes people are okay with that and that's a decision that they can make. But, um, you know, if you think about just most people, you know, most married couple, like dual income families, right, are, are there, I don't think it's incredibly common that there's enough financial resources that while they were married, that they could just afford another home, right? Most, mm -hmm. most couples are just, you know, they're trying to make it work on either, you know, one income or two incomes. And so in a divorce, like the affordability of then just all of a sudden maintaining two homes is it's sometimes just the numbers, the numbers don't work. Um, and, and, and that would oftentimes lead to discussions about real estate sales, et cetera, and, and or how to handle that. So. Sharon, what are, do you and, and Melissa, Melissa have yeah. a lot so of clients? Yeah. Yeah. So for us, I think that, you know, with having a lot of divorce, and as Allison was saying too, is, you know, we are definitely seeing more divorce because of substance abuse and alcohol and things like that. And I'd say, so I've been selling real estate for 21 years now, that I, I wonder if the difference is that from what I'm seeing, it's the woman are not putting up with it. And I'm not saying it just, that's who's coming to me too generally is the women, not the men. So um, in some cases, the men will as well, but usually the person that's reaching out to me first is, you know, the, the woman of the relationship and they're just saying, I'm not dealing with this anymore. And it's, they're, they're okay to do that. Um, there have been some situations and I'm sure Allison has some stories and I know all the ladies, especially Amy, has. Uh, I told you she might throw a little comedy in there. Yeah. So. <laughs> There's a lot to be had here, for sure. <laughs> Hold on, so Amy will get us there for sure. <laughs> but you know, some of the the terrible situations I see is, you know, if one of the spouses is having an affair or something like that. Sometimes <clears> I'm pulled in right after that other spouse finds out. That, that's an told. awful time to be pulled yeah. in. Emotions yeah. yeah. running really mm -hmm. high. It, oh God, yeah. Yeah, it's really, really hard. And I have some really vivid memories of sitting at a table and it's hard, you know, like what, whoever it is, is really upset. I, I tend to see when it's, you know, when the woman finds out that he had been cheating, she's sobbing at the table. And, but if it's the man who finds out that the woman is cheating, he's always trying to pull me aside. Like, you know, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was her. It was her. Yeah. It wasn't me. Uh, I was the good you know. guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of a so. very specific time when that happened. <laughs> I, can I can remember when this happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It was, it was, and, and again, you try to stay neutral. And I think that Allison, you can talk about that too. I think as the real estate agent and Amy too, all of you actually knowing my role sometimes it really matters what the divorce is so i have had situations where um you know there are restraining orders mm -hmm. so i like the information to be equal and it works out great for our team because i have melissa as a team member who's licensed i have mary who's licensed as a team member and it's important for us as a team to always know what the communication is because I feel like one of them will always try to like sneak off, you know, and say, and tell us everything. We like all communication to be together. Um, if they ever say, please don't tell my other spouse this, it puts us in a really bad situation. Mm -hmm. um, and Allison can talk more about that too. But when with restraining orders, I've had times where I can't even text husband and wife soon to be exes yeah. in the yeah. same text message. Mm -hmm. So, Allison can yeah. talk more about that. Yeah, how often sure. are the attorneys involved in, in these transactions, like during, before the divorce is final? Right. So, um, it really, people can kind of sell their house at any point in a divorce. So, sometimes people think they have to file for divorce in the courts first. That's not really the case, okay. right? So, sometimes, you know, sometimes I have folks come to me and say, okay, we're getting divorced. We've already put the house on the market. They've, you know, 
crunch the numbers with their advisor or whatever, and they're just yeah. like, neither of us can afford, yeah. especially around here, right? I mean, real yeah. estate's expensive, so a lot of times they're like, I can't afford the four-bedroom house, we're both gonna have to downsize or yeah. whatever it might be. So that's those usually are a little bit more amicable because they've both kind of come to the you know conclusion that neither can afford okay. and we're just gonna sell. Yeah. Um, Sometimes, you know, oftentimes folks come to me and say we're getting divorced and, you know, one party or the other wants to keep the house. Sometimes they both want to keep the house. Oh. Sometimes they can both afford it because now pe both people work usually. And so yeah. sometimes that's that's an option that maybe 20 years ago that, you know, oftentimes we didn't see that. Um, and then we, you know, sometimes we have to fight over who's going to keep the house. Um I find courts are very Solomonic in the sense of they split the baby, right? So if people can't decide who's going to keep the house, I feel like it's Nobody sort of a pox it. on your all your houses and the house gets sold oh. a lot of times. The, the court would force that. You mean yeah, they can't the agree? Yeah, because the judge isn't going to decide. Yeah. If both of them have the financing and they both can afford it, Like, how do you decide who gets to keep the house, right? Okay. And, and I think more and more, too, we're getting away from the traditional idea of you know the stay-at-home mom and they would yeah. stay in the house with the children. Like, yeah. With everybody working, I, we see so much more and more like a 50-50 co-parenting. Yep. Oftentimes, there might be a nanny, or yeah. right? I mean, the grandparents are involved, right? It's like yeah. it takes a village now. So it's like, how do you decide? There's not just sort of a presumption of, okay, well, the kids will stay in the house because mom's going to be there. Mm -hmm. You know, the parents might, you know, dad might have them more time. Who knows? So it, um, so oftentimes, if, if they can't agree on anything, oftentimes, yeah. that's when stuff got, starts to get sold. And is it common that the, you know, I know that post-divorce, like one spouse can still have ownership in the property is it more common to structure it like that or is it more common to just like split the equity and one buys out the other if there's the, if there's resources that's easier but like right. how often are there the resource the cash resources for the buyout Oh, hold on. We might not have time to finish this, but we'll finish it after the break. Well, this is an interesting time to talk about that because with interest rates sure. so high and, and one an spouse issue. having to cash out, refi to buy out the other spouse, this is a crazy, horrible time to do that <laughs> right. with interest rates where they are now. So I just was wondering, like, maybe it was more common in the last decade or so for cash out, refi buyouts, but I wonder if if this interest rate environment is going to change that and then one spouse, re, you know, retains equity in the home post-divorce. Mm -hmm. Like, is that common at all for yeah. equity, for, for ownership to still may, be joint post-divorce? It's it's not that common. Yeah. What we usually see, when we see that, and especially if it's ordered by the court, the idea is usually to get the kids through high school. Okay. Um, so it's a short-term fix oh, okay. to kind of jointly, you know, if one party or the other can't, buy out, you know, and you've got a kid that's in the 10th grade already, you don't yeah. want to uproot them if they've been yeah. in that school system. Let's, you know, for three years kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, suck it up and cooperate and okay. continue to own this part property together, yeah. get the kid to graduate and then figure it out at that point. Okay. Maybe we'll continue on that after the break, but we just, um, we have to take a short break, ladies. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, full house this morning. Uh, Sharon McNamara with Boston Connect Real Estate, Amy Hubert Masfer, uh, real estate attorney with Sherman Law, Erin Nally, estate planning attorney with Starboard Legal, Allison Walsh, uh, family law attorney with Walsh Law Office. We're talking about transitionary uh, transitions in life, homes in transition, uh, stuff surrounding divorce, and we'll get into death, etc. We're just taking a quick break and we'll be right back. Are you ready to get organized? Let's consolidate those old accounts and make sure your investment strategies are appropriate. This is Kirk Reed, a certified financial planner with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Find out more at McNamaraFinancial.com. This is Mike McNamara. We think that your financial advisor should be a certified financial planner practitioner. This is the gold standard for financial advisors. We also think your advisor should be a fiduciary and always act in your best interest. That would describe Justin, Alyssa, Kirk, and myself. We are a family business. When it comes to your money and financial affairs, we think our family can help your family. In Marshfield, call us at 781-834-2010 or McNamaraFinancial.com. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from the scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. Hi, this is Mike McNamara. How do you find a financial advisor that you can trust and will take good care of you? Not easy. 
We would suggest that you listen to McNamara on Money here on WATD Saturday mornings at 8 and Sunday mornings at 7.30. It's an easy way to get to know a family of four financial advisors who are also certified financial planner practitioners. Call us in Marshfield at 781-834-2010 or McNamaraFinancial.com. Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Bear with me as we need a little compliance disclosure. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's generally not the case with callers we speak to on the show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. We just met. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer the caller in the right direction. Callers should check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed and past performance does not guarantee future results. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We're talking about... um, Transitionary periods in life this morning, um, homes in transition, real estate uh, discussions surrounding uh, transitions in life, divorce, et cetera. Maybe we'll get into second marriages, um, uh, death of a spouse or a, or a parent and things like that. I don't know if we're going to have time to get to all this stuff because <laughs> three hours might not be enough for all of us to get, to get through. There's a lot of opinions flying yeah, around. Let's try the three hours first and then we can see who's after we're our still, show. We're I was going to say, is, is three hours enough to cover a lifetime of <laughs> We're still going to be on divorce three hours from now. Let's wrap up this divorce in three hours. Could you imagine? All right. So let's. I'll do briefly uh, intros again. So we have um, Sharon McNamara and Melissa Wallace from Boston Connect Real Estate. Um, BostonConnect.com. Yeah. What's your website? Oh, BostonConnect.com. We have Amy Hubert Masfer, who's a real estate attorney with Sherman Law. What's your website, Amy? Um, It's actually uh, TimShermanLaw.com. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then we have Allison Walsh. Who's a family law attorney with Walsh Law Office? And what's your well? It's uh, AllisonWalshLaw.com. Allison with two L's, one I. Okay. Um, do some people have two I's in Allison? I've seen Allison spelled. <laughs> I've seen it spelled with a I've C never seen and that a Y. One. And yeah, I don't. Many spellings. Yes, it was. It was a yeah. popular seventies name. Uh, no. Yes. I no see. direct spelling. Mm-hmm. Uh. And then we also have Erin um, Nally, who's an estate planning attorney with Starboard Legal. Starboard Legal. Starboard Legal. Is it, I, I never knew if it was Starboard or Starboard. Well, now you know. Because I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't <laughs> have a boat. A Aren't you glad you did the show? Now you know. Starboard? Starboard. Like bird? Like Starboard, even though it's spelled differently? Okay, got it. Um, all right, let's, we were talking a little bit about, um, I, I was just, we were talking about, um, you know, when one spouse wants to keep the family home, mm-hmm. a, a divorcing couple, um, and if one, let's say one of them can agree to keep the family home, you mentioned, of course, you know, sometimes they can't agree, maybe nobody wants it, et cetera. But if someone wants it, um, and there's significant <coughs> equity in a home, mm-hmm. um, I, it, and we were talking about how, you know, if there aren't other cash, you know, non-retirement cash resources for one spouse to buy out the other spouse from the home, cash out refinance would generally be an option if the spouse can qualify for the higher mortgage, et cetera. Having said that, it's a terrible time to cash out refinance with interest rates double or triple what someone probably has on their existing mortgage. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was just wondering, like, you know, how common it is for um, for 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 a couple to de- like de- for one member of the couple to delay their equity buyout of the property, um, it seems to me that is probably pretty common. And you were saying maybe just for like a short period of time to get the kids through school. Um, it does limit the other spouse's options, right? If that right. spouse doesn't have the cash resources to then buy their next home, maybe then they're renting for a period of time. Or you know, can we like talk through that a little bit sure. in terms of the the stress on the, you know, an already stressful situation as a result of that, or, you know, what are options that you throw out there to people to handle that? Yeah, so um, I think typically when we sort of see the concept of one party wants to do a cash buyout or a cash out buyout, um, the court doesn't, the court likes to sort of keep a short leash on that unless okay. there's some extenuating circumstance. Like I said before the break, you know, the child in high school that's only got a couple of years left or something. Yeah. So usually what we'll see is um, sort of time frames. You know, can you qualify in, you know, 90 days? Can you qualify, yeah. you know, if you get rejected in 90 days, you know, then qual- you know try again in another 90 days or whatever. Um, I, you don't typically see more than about a year or so, you know, okay. unless the parties agree. If the parties okay. agree and they say, hey, we've, you know, occasionally people do get along, 
right? And yeah. they might be able to yeah. creatively yeah. figure something out. But, you know, kind of without some sort of agreement. And, and again, you know, when we have an agreement like that, oftentimes it does involve the financial planner who sits down and says, this yeah. just doesn't make a lot of sense. But yeah. if people are kind of at loggerheads about stuff, it's usually you're talking about a year or so to kind of watch the rates. So in the last you know, in the last year, that's been a problem because I've had divorces that when they started, we figured, okay, cash buyout, and now people can't qualify. But the yes. interest rates, because oh it was going to be tight, yeah. you know, at 3%, and now there's no way, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. So that's tough. And then you see causes having to get put on the market sometimes right. because of that. It's a, yeah, it, it's a terrible Alyssa, time. that's one of the things, too. I've actually, I, I was texting Melissa, too. One of the things... It's interesting because we've been talking about such low inventory lately, right? Yeah. So this is like an issue. So people would think, oh, if you're working with a lot of divorced couples, oh, at least you're bringing on more inventory. Well, it's the opposite. Now we're selling one house and we have two people looking for housing. Mm, right. Mm. So it's really impacting, really, I mean, the low inventory. There's so many factors that are impacting it, but that makes it even a little more difficult, especially when you're thinking about the rates, you're thinking about multiple offers. And Amy, you see this, like the, the end part of this, right? Like people are paying $100,000 in some cases. Right. We mm -hmm. saw up to $200,000 over asking. Right, right. So it's hard to do in a divorce situation, right? Yeah. Right. right. And that's, that's another thing. I mean, if you have... If you have one party who's saying like, look, let's maximize the value out of the house right now. We're, we're at all time highs for purchase price. Yeah. Um, but then you have the two parties right. who have to also purchase right. with high mm -hmm. interest rates and low inventory, kind of navigating through that. So, you know, we've seen people who have had more growth in the equity of their house than perhaps they have been contributing to the retirement, which I know <laughs> you'll you'll speak on. So yeah. we don't have those tradable assets anymore. When the court is looking at something, they're saying, "Okay, well, you have five hundred thousand dollars in in equity. You want to hold on to the house. Where are we going? What's the other asset that's going to be the trade off yeah. for that? Yeah. And those other assets haven't had the same sort of boom growth. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's it's really a challenging time, and you know, um, really, like I said, getting the right team to be able to make decisions kind of keep keeping level heads prevailing hopefully um to make the best decision for the family at this point because it like like we said it might say like okay yes you can get the highest value but now you're both out looking at how housing yeah. market and you're going to lose like. some of that value yeah. you have to realize if there's children involved you know i am you know the, the parents' assets are what's going to be passed on, which I know Aaron will talk about. Do we want to liquidate an asset that's going to hold more value than another? And, and yeah. thinking about that long term. Yeah. How creative, I guess, Amy, this one would be just directed toward you. How, uh, sorry, Allison. How creative do people get in terms of dividing assets? Like, I guess what I mean by that is, like, let's say there's um, half a million dollars in equity in a home, mm -hmm. and the only other asset is, um, you know, uh, uh, half a million dollars in a 401k. So there's mm -hmm. no cash for a buyout, right. and and maybe in, in cash out refi doesn't, you know, make sense in this environment, this interest rate environment. Like, you know, in my mind, I've helped some couples, some amicable couples, I've helped them with number crunching through divorce and things like that. And, and when I'm working with one member of a couple, of course, I can only approach it from their perspective and what might be fair to you and all that. But I kind of like, you know, it, it a retirement account for someone who's 40, you know, is very different from equity in a home. It's very different from cash. Of course, there's the tax consequences um, to consider, you know, after tax value versus before tax, you know, value or market value. Um, <clears throat> so I'm just wondering, like, how creative will the courts allow people to get? Like, can someone, you know, can someone say in that example, I'll keep the house, he can keep the 401k, and as long as the after-tax values are, are similar, is, does the court really care about stuff like that? Or is there someone at the court being like, no, you know, what's your tax bracket, your tax bracket? You know, is there any so judgments in the, that regard? The short answer yeah. on that is is no. Um, okay. They're not really crunching tax numbers at the okay. courthouse. I can yeah. honestly say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, Down to the penny. I, I, yeah. as, as the daughter of an accountant, I've got to say, I don't like doing that either. I usually bring in outside accountants. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, I think when you have 500000 in a house and 500000 in a retirement, if one person walked away with the house and one person walked away with the retirement, I can't think of any judge that would blink at that. Okay. Well, as, that's not equitable as, at all. Right. Well, that was what I was going to say. I was going to say, I, I wouldn't, depending, yeah. well, depending on which side I'm representing, I would probably, I yeah. might not advise that, right? Right. Um, right. But yeah, we don't, so yeah, I mean, yeah. from, from your perspective, Melissa, you're probably doing sort of, you know, you're looking at the retirement and like projecting it out, going, well, if you retire at 65, how much are you going to have if you can, yeah. right? Right. The court's not doing that. Okay. They're just looking at the numbers and they're saying 500, 500. On its face, 
what you might hear from a judge would be, well, 500 of a house and 500 of retirement today are not exactly the same. Because yeah. with retirement, if you cashed out today, obviously you're not getting 500. Right, right. right? You've got right. taxes, penalties, yeah. the whole nine yards. So those are the kinds of comments you get back okay. as opposed to somebody sitting there crunching it and projecting it out and saying, well, if we invested this at this rate, nobody's really doing that. So okay. people that are smart getting... <laughs> I would be like, you know, yeah. I'll come in with my spreadsheets yeah. and... Yeah, yeah. You know, because you love numbers. You're just like, yeah. right. and you owe me 13 cents. <laughs> yeah. people, people, exactly what it's like, Elizabeth. <laughs> people that yeah. are smart um, sit down and do those kinds of things. Yeah. But, yeah. you know... Well, she is very smart. Right? <laughs> and I think, you know, part of it too is... Um, you know, there's sort of uh, some, you know, I fo- think folks with, you know, equity and things and people that have assets oftentimes do have an advisor and accountants and things yeah. around them. So yeah. sometimes that's a little bit easier. We come in with a team already in place, you know, for folks that kind of have a house and a 401k, a lot of times they don't have, you know, that pension through their job. They yeah. might not have those outside people yeah. that, you know, that they're working with on a regular basis. So, yeah. um, and they might not have the resources too, right? So, I mean, sometimes we're sort of resource strapped in terms of like how many people can we hire to look at this case, right? You have to yeah. kind of get a budget at the beginning of, yeah. you know, um, how much do you want to spend on this? So obviously this is, you know, the, er, exponentially easier when the, the members of the couple are cooperative, right? And can agree on things. And right. I guess, you know, er, do you do mediation at all? Too, I do, or you yeah. Just do? I'm a certified okay. mediator oh, yeah, okay. yeah. as well. I just, I guess I was just curious, like how, like if a couple agrees on, you know, a division of assets during the divorce, I guess my question was, is a judge like making calls on that? Or if there's an agreement, they're going to approve the divorce and because the parties agree. I mean, is it, yeah. I, I mean, on uh- if you have two attorneys, it, depends. it, depends. it, it yeah, really it depends. depends. It has to. So that, <laughs> that's a good attorney. Yeah, I know. It depends. It depends. Yeah. I know. I was yeah. gonna say, if you have two lawyers on the case, I feel like there's usually a pretty good chance it's getting approved yeah, um, because yeah. they figure, okay. you know, everybody's had legal advice. Everybody's, you know, yeah. sat down and at least run the numbers. Um, the the standard to get a divorce agreement through and get it approved is that it's fair and reasonable, basically. Yeah. So, what does that mean, though? Right, and that means different things depending on how long the marriage is. So. Uh, seven-year marriage, what's fair and reasonable might be that if somebody owned the house before the marriage, they're going to walk away with the oh, equity that they had before, okay. right? That might be considered fair and reasonable because it was a short marriage. Okay. A lot of times in a short marriage, people don't even end up joining accounts right. now. We see, you know, right, yeah. people right, right. only should, married right. a couple of years. They just keep their own retirement. They keep their own yeah. checking account and that's, you know, you kind yeah. of walk away. Yeah. Um, what's fair in a, you know, 12-year marriage with a couple of kids that's where we start to see yeah. 50-50 on the yeah. house, you know, yeah. 50-50 of the retirement that was accumulated during the marriage, but maybe there's a carve out if there was a significant amount before, right? Um, and then once you get up into like the 18, 19, 20, you know, 20 plus, forget yeah. it, that's 50-50 down the line. It yeah. really doesn't. Okay. I mean, it, it, okay. if you're if you're really far off of that one way or the other, I mean, a few percentage points, okay, but you're very rarely going to see something that, you know, for some reason a judge is like, oh, well, this is a 25-year marriage and one party really should get 70 percent I mean that would yeah. be that would be extraordinary yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. so Erin let's loop you in a little bit on these discussions like you know divorce is very common hold on one sec hold on one sec well, I have okay. questions oh, oh. oh are you here Just Sharon oh. oh I thought you were in Edgartown on your boat <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here but we didn't make it to Edgartown because of the rain, oh you didn't oh still, okay no but we're we are still on the boat yeah we're yeah. just down um at our marina but anyways I had a couple questions for Allison because in a few that will probably stem over to Amy too is at what point do you, when they're looking for the value of the house, right? So mm-hmm. at what point do you suggest that people are doing that? And do you ever see that as a sort of a conflict? Because they're like, I'm not using her because she likes you better. At what, if they can't agree, do you suggest somebody? And then Amy, at what point do you think it's important for you as the real estate attorney to come in? Because your role a lot of times is like as they're under agreement already. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So I guess the first question was, if they can't agree on the value of a house, Sharon, how do we handle that? Sure. So, um, so... Oftentimes at the beginning of a case, both sides will get a CMA, right? With competitive yeah. market analysis, which is sort of typical. You can call your, your okay. favorite real estate agent yeah. and have them run some numbers and kind of give you an idea of what the house is worth. CMAs are useful, right? To sort of start the process and think about, is there going to be a cash out buyout or are we going to sell or whatever? But if things get contentious and you end up having to go to court, the courts don't use, they don't really put oh. a lot of credibility into the CMAs. Okay. I mean, the numbers usually aren't that far off, but they want a certified appraisal. Okay. So if you're going to, end up, let's put it this way, if people aren't agreeing on prices out of the gate, 
the first step would be to see if you could agree on getting, you know, a joint person, right? Somebody mm -hmm. that you both agree to, to do an appraisal of the house and that that will be the number. Okay. Sometimes we can't even agree on that. So sometimes we have two joint, two independent appraisers two go appraisers. in and then we have a battle of the appraisers and oh that can be, you know, it can be everybody sits down and kind of like maybe splits that, splits the baby and comes up with a number in the middle. And sometimes we end up putting the appraisers on the stand and trying to pick apart what they did and the comps. Oh my, wow. And then we let the judge decide. Okay. what the number is and yeah what's an appraisal these days four or five hundred bucks or is it more no is inflation like, crept up on no, me and i'm it, well like it ranges i've seen anywhere recently from like 500 up to on a on a single family home like 800 and then oh, wow. if you're talking commercial property it can get into okay. the thousands okay yeah yeah, yeah. What was the second part of that question? When does when do we live uh, in Amy, the real estate yeah. attorney? Yeah. yeah. And also, too, if we could hit upon, what about people who don't get married? Because there's a lot of people that do that, too. So they're not married, but they've mm. been together for 20 years. So maybe right. we can hit upon mm. that. Right. We can definitely talk about, like, cohabitation agreements mm -hmm. and things to think about with that. So, um, you know, to your question, um, you know, when should I get involved? For me, um, you know, I always want to get involved. The, the sooner, the, the sooner, the better. If they've agreed on on a on an agent and they're moving forward with marketing, it sometimes helps to kind of bring me in to kind of like seal that deal because, um, you know. Typically, in these situations, the realtors coming in, there's some relationship with one party more than the other, right? Yeah. It's it's mm -hmm. not unusual. So if I can kind of come in and be like, "Look, I represent both of you," we can talk about the challenges of that. Mm. That sometimes gives them some peace of mind to move to move forward with the transaction, creating a little bit more more neutrality um, in that regard because they they're kind of meeting me at the same time, and yeah. that's very important for me is that I'm meeting them at the same time. I'm not having one call. And then being like, you know, oh, your wife reached out to me. I want to know if that I like to have to be introduced at the same time, have conversations, let them know that, you know, my job is to represent both of them through this transaction. And what that means is that I'm not going to be sharing information that I can't don't tell me anything that I can't tell the other person. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and that and and for lack of a better work, because I have the attorney hat on and they know that I have certain oaths that I have to, sometimes that settles them down a little bit. Um, so it can be benef beneficial to the agent as well, for sure. It's interesting that you just said that, that, you know, when you are reaching out, or somebody reaches out to you or you reach out to that person. I know, at least with Sharon and Mary, a lot of the times they're the ones doing the introduction with the yep. attorney. So if they don't already have an attorney, Sharon will give, you know, a list of, um, Sharon and Mary will give a list of attorneys and just say, you know, uh, these are the ones that we generally work with. Right. Um, and you know, once they're like, okay, yeah, we'll go with whatever. Usually it's, we'll go with whatever you <laughs> suggest because you've right. been in this business for over 20 years. And Sharon and Mary usually do the introduction. So it's interesting that you said that the people usually reach out to you. Yeah, or yeah. I'll have like, you know, perhaps that name, that name has been given to them. Yeah. One person reaches out sooner sooner than the mm -hmm. other. So I Is love it. Is it to get a leg up on the other one? It can be, it can be, you know. <laughs> that would be me. I'd be like, you know, hi, are you awake at four o'clock in the morning? Exactly, exactly. And listen, everyone... Everyone has oh sorry, everyone has their own divorce story. I always joke that I have my own. I've like printed pamphlets. I can hand it out. You guys can review it at your leisure. Um, and it is like it is a story that you carry with. And I'm sensitive to that. Like everyone has their own experience in their marriage, and there is going to be that venting. There's going to be yeah. be that. And you know, in those situations, you have to listen, not land. You know, you can't be like, well, I don't really care about that because no, mm -hmm. no one feels good about that, right? But, you know, you're constantly redirecting. Well, let's talk about, you know, as I say, you're going to Oprah it. You're going to be like, well, let's talk about how we're moving forward. Let's talk about how, you know, this is the opportunity for you mm -hmm. to kind of get a restart. You know, obviously this seems like, you know, you're not in a good position there now. Let's get you into a good position and kind of trying to pivot without saying, you know. I hear you, sister. <laughs> you know, like yeah. oh, don't you yeah, worry. exactly. I'm, I'm holding and, your hand through this. Yeah, as you're <laughs> as you are sitting there, there are moments when you ought to be like, yeah, you yeah. know, I get it. What a I dog. Get, yeah, exactly. Right. Like, let's yeah. you know, but that isn't your job. Yeah. Your job is, mm -hmm. you know, and once you realize to them that the most important thing, and sometimes because I've gone through this process, I can speak to that. The most important thing at the end of the day is that you leave us as whole as possible mm -hmm. with your two legs under mm -hmm. you. And that's my job. And, you know, um, that's my hope. So, yeah. you know, kind of redirecting that to the future, the emotions only escalate, escalate things for mm -hmm. sure. 
When a couple is getting divorced, I, I guess my question would be for you is, you know, they're, they want to sell, they both want to sell, but is it ever really suggested, like, depending on when they purchase the home, to go back to the agent that they used because they've already both worked with that person? Yeah, we see that. Um, yeah, sometimes that's the person that they can agree upon. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, mm. that though, that can get a little dicey, too, because oftentimes we go to family friends, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. it's, um, you know, sometimes we specifically don't want that because maybe it was the brother-in-law of oh, somebody yeah. that sold them the house yeah. and now that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's enemy territory, right? Yeah. Now that's yeah. the other side of the family. <laughs> so, yeah, so, but, you know, if it's somebody, I, what I've seen that has worked really well is if it's somebody that was the original agent that, you know, maybe was a neighbor and sort of doesn't have a dog in the fight, for lack of a better word, you yeah. know, and they're like, oh, we really like her. We still, you know, we yeah, both trust we both her. Trust her yeah. um, that mm-hmm. that can actually be a huge game changer because if you've got that independent person, even if they don't trust each other and even yeah. if they don't really, you know, maybe even have full faith in the lawyers sometimes because there are days where they're, you know, everybody's yeah. a very high emotion. You know, you know that, you know, whoever, you know, your realtor is can be that that person that can be the calming influence and yeah. um, can get it over the and line. I, Allison, sorry, I, I, it's hard for me to just jump in here and I cut everybody off. I'm sorry. No, about that, right. but, you know, my question too is um, a lot of times I'll have people, you know, if money is sort of tighter and I say, well, I want to, I want to introduce you to Amy. She's a real estate attorney. I always have, there's always somebody who was like, well, we're going to agree to use our, one of our divorce attorneys. Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever let them know that that's probably not a good idea? I mean, because yes. not all divorces are terrible, but do you The answer is yes. Oh, you know. Because um, I don't like working with divorce attorneys for real estate. Right. I, I, no, because we don't know what we're people. doing, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and I say, I actually say that, like, as I graduated uh, law school in 04, so that was the height of the real estate refi boom, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I was going to do. Like, my 2003, my summer internship was real estate, and we were all going to make a fortune, right, doing real estate. <laughs> and then I, uh, I, so I did it for summer, and I learned that I hated easements, and I never wanted to do them again. <laughs> so, yeah, so there is a reason that I do what I do, and I don't do real estate, so I send... Um, folks that are dealing real, with real estate transactions to people like Amy that mm-hmm. do understand easements and know what they're doing. <laughs> so. I think it's interesting, Amy, what you said a little bit ago regarding you sometimes represent both members mm-hmm. of the couple. And I obviously you do that, Amy, um, through when you're mm-hmm. working as a mediator and obviously for estate planning as well, Erin. I think, and I've represented, you know, on, and of course I work with a lot of couples and then even through divorce can, you know, work with members um, of a couple and, and you know, be impartial and, and represent both sides. And I actually think, I don't know what your experiences are, but I think that that is like the the best situation because everything is right uh, on the table. Like communication is, mm-hmm. I think, better when you know when when there's not side conversations with one member of the couple. I, I it just seems to me like it's a better situation. There's really nothing being hidden, right? There's no like I said, <laughs> right. side conversations. I, I think communication is really important through stressful situations, especially a divorce. Um, and so, what are your experiences like? Do you often represent both members of a couple, or is it you know I, I'm sure, I'm sure it's a mixed bag? But do you have any like you know, stories of great experiences where, you know, where you're representing both and the communication, you know, helps get through a really tough time. I mean, it just seems to me like that's the way to go. Absolutely. It, you know, absolutely. So I, I do represent both because I'm, I'm very limited to my role. My role is to get the property sold legally to the, <laughs> to yeah. the buyer. Yeah. Um, they are typically supported by their own divorce attorneys. And I am I am communicating with those divorce attorneys in the moments of conflict. Yeah. So, um, you know, Sometimes, you know, if I can get them focused on this individual asset and maximizing the value out of it and moving forward, that, you know, I'm not navigating the entire divorce. But, you know, I had, I just had um, a situation where, you know, I did represent represent both parties, you know, and this kind of speaks a little bit to the real estate agent. One of the things that we run into sometimes is the relationship building. Because one person is typically in the house, the realtor develops more of a relationship with that person because that's how they're scheduling yeah. clothes, they're scheduling viewings, yeah. open houses, all those things. Mm-hmm. So typically the other partner is feeling on edge about that. So I'm trying to, okay. to settle that to say like, look, here's the agreement. But it can, get, it can get contentious when we're dealing with, I just had a case where there was a restraining order. I have to schedule when, you know, when the spouse is returning to the property to empty out their property. And there's, you know, you can have some contention where, you know, the day before they'll say, I'm not signing, 
he slash she, because I feel like I'm being very gendered and I'm trying to be very neutral here. Um, he slash she is is not getting a dime. Or if, um, you know, I'll get into fights uh, where it's yeah. like, she's been living there, he's been living there for the past six months, so she's paying the electrical bill in full. Or he. Mm. So then I have to go back to the divorce attorneys and say, what does the agreement say? What mm. was the understanding during that? And, and try, to, try to level that ship. So even though I represent them in this individual transaction, and that can give them comfort in a neutral person, also, not to, to say, say this to Allison, <laughs> it, it's, it's more cost effective for me to do that. And, oh, sure. Yeah. And 100%. she'll be the first person to say, like, well, mediation is way to... more cost effective than having separate oh, attorneys yeah, right, as well. Yes, yeah. Right. I mean, no. cooperation. So, yeah. yeah. When I'm selling a property, it's a flat fee that I'm charging them. And, you know, they're used to being billed yeah. by the hour. Right. So, and often when I remind them that when I'm reaching out to their attorney is because they can't reach a decision, they're going to be billed for that. Mm-hmm. Right. All of a sudden, oh, right. kind of people come back to the, ta- to the table. So I'm like, let's be a little bit more reasonable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do have to have tough conversations. In the, in the most recent transaction, the gentleman was saying, I'm not moving anything out. I'm not doing anything. And then I had to remind him that there was a court order to do so. Yeah. So, you know, did I want, did he want me to reach out to the divorce attorneys to get this result? and then he kind of realized and, and you know had that that come to Jesus kind of moment so you know I do it with love yeah but yeah. Um, you know it, it can take a little bit of a strong arm which you know yeah um, or just kind of a, a, a note of reason to, cost to kind of, of bring cost effective. Cost effectiveness yes. is a huge point. I mean, is mediation yeah. really common these days? Or um, I mean, I I think it's becoming more common, but most of my practice is still, um, I would say, is still litigation, so, even okay. if it's even if it's um, amicable, right? So there might be that both sides have lawyers, and we sit down and we work everything out, but yep. there's not a mediator involved per se. Okay. Um, I actually used to work at a firm that we sort of tried to we tried to really uh, you know focus on mediation and, and one of the partners there had was sort of the godfather of mediation in in Boston um, so I have you know good background in that but for some reason there's still people haven't you know sort of really um, gelled on to that I think as much as, yeah. as they could and it is it just is a really a too cost emotional effective. sometimes yeah just too yeah. emotional all right we're gonna take a break in a couple minutes and then I want to loop you and Aaron and talk about you know the estate planning like in light of the fact that divorce is so common and then maybe estate planning you know at post divorce mm-hmm. and how things change or maybe you're maybe you're being looped in during divorce you know and and um, so let's let's loop you in after the break but I, did you have something yeah, before I was just something that you said like popped into my head usually when we see how bad or if the divorce is not going too well it's usually the closer it gets to closing Mm -hmm. especially with final walkthroughs so sometimes we go through a house if we're the listing agents the day before to make sure like hey you know tomorrow's closing day you're gonna make sure that everything's out and whoever has been living in the house absolutely nothing is is gone or or they or they purposely leave the home uh and not in great condition and that's when we really need to like bring in every attorney and just be like okay absolutely like, yeah i have some definite war stories for yeah. that. <laughs> all right hold that hold that for sure. the break hold that for the break you're listening to mcnamara on money i'm Alyssa mcnamara reed um check us out at mcnamarafinancial.com or mcnamara of the you can also find our podcast on your podcatcher mcnamara on money joined this morning by amy humert masfer real estate attorney sherman law erin nally estate planning attorney starboard legal and allison walsh family law attorney with walsh law office and uh sharon mcnamara and melissa wallace of Boston Connect Real Estate is literally a round table on a square table this morning. Uh, We're just taking a quick break. We'll be right back.